Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to A Moment of Zen. Time to sit back and relax as model, actress, mentor, and supermom Zen Sams takes you on a sexy and wild ride covering the latest in film, fashion, pop culture, politics, and entertainment from the millennial mom's perspective. Here's your host, Zen Sams. Hello, my beautiful friends and loyal listeners. Happy New Year's. It's always a pleasure to spend my time with you on the airwaves. Thank you for listening and interacting with me on social media. That truly makes it all worthwhile. Please make sure to follow me at Zen Sams. That's Zen with an X, not a Z. Also remember that we are now on TV. Tune in at watch.kpmedia.tv and catch a moment of Zen on the Impact live channel Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern. All episodes are now available on demand. Today, we have a great show lined up. In our influencer segment, we are featuring returning influencer Susanna Damuni. She is a lifestyle beauty influencer with a very large social media platform and fan base. She's known as the Barbie doll of Instagram with over 5 million followers. Today, she's coming on to chat about 2022 beauty enhancement trends and help me review some semi-permanent non-filler solutions for our beauty needs. Susanna will tell me her secrets to looking fabulous. In my digital world, brought to us by Tempest, we are chatting all things data and the fundamentals of data sovereignty in the age of the metaverse with returning contributor Shahal Khan, joined by good friend Robert Edward Grant. He is a successful entrepreneur, best-selling author of Philomath, prolific inventor and founder of several corporate enterprises. In our Fly Me to the Moon segment, we are chatting about space tourism and space travel with one of my favorite astronauts, returning contributor, Per Wimmer. He is Virgin Galactic's, one of Virgin Galactic's founding astronauts. Debuting in our Crypto Frontier segment, brought to you by CCP Digital, we are joined by Chris Pulley, who serves as CEO of CCP Digital and Bad Media Group. He's joined by his good friend, Dr. Ken Canfield, and we are chatting about the positive impact that the subdog tokens have had on the National Center for Fathering, the digital process, how CCP is paving the way for businesses, brands, creators, gamers, and blockchain aficionados. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the influencer segment with Susanna Damuni. You're listening to A Moment of Zen right here on 710 WR, the voice of New York. Moment of Zen is brought to you by Biche Cucina and their newest location in Soho. At Biche, you'll be dining in a relaxed and elegant atmosphere with friendly, attentive service that offers delicious dishes from Northern Italy and American cuisine. Biche caters to all dietary needs. A DJ entertains on Friday and Saturday evenings and live upbeat jazz for Sunday brunch. Located at 15 Watt Street, online at bichecucinasoho.com. 
Welcome back, beautiful people. You're listening to A Moment of Zen right here on 710 WOR, the voice of New York. I'm your host, Zen Sams. Now up in just a few minutes in our influencer segment, we are featuring returning influencer Susanna DeMooney. You can find her on the gram at Susanna.DXOXO. She is a beauty lifestyle influencer. She's going to be coming on to talk to us about the current trends for 2022, what enhancement procedures exist, some semi permanent non-filler solutions, what they look like in 2022. And she's going to let me in on all her beauty secrets that keep her looking fabulous. Now, what she is using and not using these days are just as important to keep her mind and body free of injectables after she survived breast implant illness. With more non-invasive procedures, downtime in some cases is minimal, if not at all. Some procedures can be done over the lunch hour or on your way home from work. Some of the top trending aesthetic procedures are Botox, lip fillers, body sculpting, skin tightening, medical facial procedures, and microneedling, and many others. But the Zoom boom has played such an integral role in the explosion in demand for non-invasive procedures over the last 12 months. Working from home and staring endlessly at our own faces during Zoom meetings, of course, people couldn't help but take notice of their fine lines and wrinkles, molds, uneven skin tones, and other details they didn't like about their appearance. Here to break it all down for us is Susanna DeMooney, one of Meta's mega influencers. Welcome back to the show, beautiful lady. Thank you for having me back. Let's start with eyebrow micro needling. Talk to me about what this is, what the cost is, and how many sessions one would need. I know that you are a big fan. So microblading is one of the newest techniques, and it's on the rise because of the tiny strokes that the eyebrows have. They use a, a small needle and give you tiny hair-like strokes, so it actually looks like the hair is growing from your eyebrows. And that's what's really good about it because before they used to use like a permanent makeup and the permanent makeup kind of made it look like just a thick brow and it would turn blue, um, gray, orange, just different pigments. And the place that I'm actually going to, I'm actually in the process of removing them to get the microblading done. So that's how you can remove the permanent ones from the past because those look awful. Um, and the place that I go to is called Alex Beauty. I will um, tag her after. And all their products are from Austria. They are oxide free. It means that the tattoo colors never changed gray, red, orange, or blue, which is amazing because that's what would happen in the past. And um, it's one of the biggest academies in the world. And their products are from Austria. So it's excellent. And that's the place that I go to. And that's what I like about the microblading. The other popular technique is um, lip blushing. Now, lip blushing is on the rise because not everybody wants the bee stung lip look, which was the thing, not of the past, but, you know, there's different techniques, like you said before, than the past. People are, it's not going to go away, but lip blushing is something huge because a lot of people have chapped lips. A lot of people are on the go. They don't want to get their, um, they don't want to put lipstick on. They just want to put chapstick and go. So lip blushing is a great technique for having a little bit of color, a little bit of more natural, making the lips look fuller. And the, and it's kind of like a micropigmentation of the lips. So it's, that's why it's very natural. And I've um, heard actually on Yelp, there was a report. And to your point, Yelp reports that, um, 
TikTok, TikTok driven lip flip procedures were up by 107% and lip blushing, what you're speaking to right now, saw about 130% increase. And these are kind of uh, two very up and coming procedures that don't include fillers with a lip flip, a doctor or another licensed provider just injects a bit of uh, Botox through the upper lip muscle. And then this forces it to relax, which quite literally flips the top of the lip to make upper lips um, appear larger and plumper without adding actual volume like filler and the result is what many consider a more natural looking boost and it can also help obscure gum visibility but the lip blushing uh talk to me about that because that trend is predicted to blow up um this year and do you, is it pain do you feel pain when that happens talk to me about the procedure well with lip, with any procedure there's going to be a little bit of pain pain is beauty so yeah it's so usually you need for the for, sorry i forgot to tell you for the microdermablading um, for your eyebrows, it's about $600 for your first session. And then about a month later, you're going to have to do a touch-up and it's about $50 for a touch-up and it should last about a year and a half. And after a year and a half, then, you know, depending on your skin, oily skin, dry skin, it might be about $300 every year and a half for the oh. lip blushing. Yeah. That was that's interesting. That, that's I mean, good. That's good. And the, the lip blushing, let's do that really quickly. Cause I want to talk about M sculpt as well. Okay, so it's about $550 and for the session, and then it's $100 after about a month for the touch-up, and then it's about $275 for, uh, it should last up to three years, but if it doesn't, or if you want more color, depending on you and your taste and your likes, whatever, so it's about $275 after a year to three Understood. years. Understood. Okay, so- And I just want to say something else just quickly. Um, you could also get- for the it's if another procedure with no injections uh, that is very popular also on the rise is a lip lift and that is um where they cut the skin and the, this is your filtrum so they cut the skin from your upper lip and your nose and they just reduce the skin in there it's usually they do a bullhorn lip lift and that can cost anywhere depending on the surgeon from thirty five hundred to ten thousand dollars oh my god that's way too much surgeon, but it's permanent. it's permanent okay got it okay i want i want to talk about m sculpt because it's a groundbreaking body contouring treatment and i've been doing a lot of body uh contouring treatments at renew v spa here in new york city but the contouring treatment that simultaneously reduces fat and tones muscle this is m sculpt and Muscle makes up about 35% of a body, but most popular body shaping treatments, including cool sculpting, only target fat. So this is kind of a new up-and-coming procedure. M-Sculpt is a fantastic choice. Talk to me about how many sessions you need, how much this costs overall. We have about a minute left. Okay, so it's... Um... It's between $750 to $1,000 per session. Over a two-week span, you'd probably need about, depending on your body and your, you know, what you want to achieve, you probably need about three sessions, I think. And um, that could go up to three to $4,000, depending on how many sessions you want. It's usually for tough areas, like toning like your stomach. And it does, it's kind of like you're exercising, stimulating your muscles, but doing a lot more exercise than... You know, then you would naturally. Right. right. And then right. really quickly, now we have 30 seconds left. We're going down this list. Um, cathoplasty, also known as cat eye surgery. It's an elective eyelid surgery that can modify the shape and size of your eyes. It reshapes and repositions uh, the upper outer corner of the eye, giving the eye this cat uh, cat-like shape, which is considered attractive. And um, cathoplasty has also been referred to as fox eyes or designer eyes. Talk to me about this really quickly. Thumbs up, so thumbs down. It's a cosmetic treatment that lifts and elongates your upper lid, pulling the eyes into an almond shape or, um, as they say, the cat eye like this. So they usually the surgeon cuts at the side here or at the outer corners of the eyes, elongating your eyes. The other one that's popular 
is an eyebrow lift or a temporal lift. Okay, so what they do there is they lift from here and they lift the eyes and you kind of have that straight eyebrow look and Bella Hadid is popular for that. Another popular procedure is buccal fat removal where the surgeon actually just goes into your cheeks and pops the fat pads. Okay, out. Susanna, hold looking. that thought because we're gonna be right back after this commercial break. <laughs> Guys, we're talking to Susanna Damuni in our influencer segment. You're listening to A Moment of Zen right here on 710 WR, The Voice of New York. We'll be right back. A Moment of Zen is brought to you by Caldwell Soames Incorporated. Investing globally in transformative businesses like Original Digital Corporation, or ODC, ODC develops advanced consumer and commercial fintech solutions such as OGPay, which will transform the way you manage your money. From sending and receiving money globally for free, paying for goods and services in person and online, pay bills, buy and sell digital currencies, all while earning interest. OGPay is easy to set up, FDIC insured, and your information is secured. Check out OGPay.com. A Moment of Zen is brought to you by Tempus, the next generation of the engagement economy, allowing people to make money on their data and earn cryptocurrency for the time they spend on things they already currently love to do. With Tempus, brands will have the ability to pay you directly for interacting with apps, watching videos, playing games, and more. Tempus, the time is now. Engage and earn. Welcome back, beautiful people. You're listening to A Moment of Zen right here on 710 WOR, The Voice of New York. I'm your host, Zen Sams. Welcome back to My Digital World, brought to you by Tempest, a Burkan World project. Today, we're chatting all things data and the fundamentals of data sovereignty in the age of the metaverse. At this point, we've almost certainly heard of the metaverse. It started when Mark Zuckerberg announced the rebranding of Facebook into Meta. So what is the metaverse? Well, it's not something invented by Facebook, Google, or any other company. Metaverse is a name coined by the sci-fi author Neil Stevenson when he wrote his cyberpunk novel, Snow Crash, way back in 1992. At that time, he presented the world where people could interact through their avatars or interact with other intelligent beings. Conversations around the metaverse are gaining in popularity, likely because big tech, including companies like Microsoft and Facebook, are acting like it's time to go all in, signaling that the metaverse might be the next big thing after all. Definitions are still evolving as to what it really is, but mainly it refers to a convergence of physical, augmented, and virtual reality in a shared online space or the universe of data. Like with our real universe, humanity is still in the dark about most of its secrets, and we are at the brink of exploring it. Augmented reality or virtual reality are just the first glimpses we are seeing. Now, to effectively trade within the metaverse, digital currencies come into play, like Bitcoin or Ethereum. This is a fast-evolving industry, and new currencies are always being introduced. The result will be a digital artifact created in the metaverse that's protected and sold using the advancements made in blockchain and NFTs. This means the metaverse will have the option to build an economy on par with the one in the physical world. Having a digital currency that can cross the boundaries between our world and the metaverse will undoubtedly raise the stakes and spark all kinds of new ventures. Here to break it all down is my returning contributor from my digital world, CEO and founder of Tempest Network, Shahal Khan, joined by his good friend, Robert Edward Grant. Robert is a successful entrepreneur, best-selling author of Philomath, 
a prolific inventor and founder of several corporate enterprises. Most recently, during the past decade, Robert has turned his attention toward number theory, mathematical physics, geometry, cryptography, and even blockchain cryptocurrencies. He is a very strong advocate of data sovereignty for the original producers, meaning the individuals of digital assets. His book, Beautiful Minds Are Free From Fear, has been a source of inspiration to millions of people around the world. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Hi. Great to be Thank here. You, Robert, you. you absolutely, you are quite an impressive individual, Robert. I'm going to start with you. Now, what will make or break the, the metaverse will be its ability to capture data from its surroundings. And the only way to do that will be by mass ingestion of the incoming data. Only with this data will we be able to create a rich and meaningful environment. Now, the next need after seeing will be interacting, meaning that the data not only needs to be represented in a meaningful way, but also must be responsive. Now, what types of innovations do you foresee being implemented to cater to data responsiveness in the metaverse? Well, first of all, I think I think as a core principle of the metaverse and, and other things that are going to be called similarly to the metaverse, you know, this is really this combination, as you mentioned, of AR, augmented reality, extended reality, sometimes referred to as XR, as well as MR, mixed reality. And all of these are going to converge together and identify that data is the most valuable asset today. It already is. It's, it's more valuable than oil. It's more valuable than anything else. So those things that will allow the consumer to be able to claim, protect, and control, and monetize their own data are going to be those things that are going to advance the most rapidly, we believe. And so we've actually built an architecture around this that allows people to be able to claim, protect, control, and monetize their own data. And first and foremost, people don't even realize that data is so valuable. I mean, I'm writing a book right now with a co-author named Michael Ashley that's called Digital Plantation. And Digital Plantation is, of course, a reference to all of us being slaves and we don't even know it. We're basically creating data. And for the first time in human history, human beings are creating value without actually having to toil. We're just doing it through our own behaviors. And that's going to be the next currency for the rest of this 21st century, we strongly believe. So all these mechanisms to go into creation of a monetary system that will be allowable and be able to be traded to benefit original producers are going to be those things that we at Crown Sterling are focused on, as well as the other companies that are going to be very successful are going to be focused in that direction as well. Brilliant, brilliant, fascinating stuff. Now on Shahal, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this one to you. On the lowest level equal to physiological needs of humans in the real world, one can imagine the needs of a digital infrastructure in the metaverse, tools for ingestion of and access to data and the infrastructure to store it, analyze it, and even enrich it. But just like in the real world, before any meaningful interactions can be achieved, security needs to be guaranteed. What kind of security can blockchain provide in the metaverse to secure this data? Well, you know, uh, honestly, I think uh, I'm going to be very quick with this one because I think Robert really should talk about this because Robert uh, worked on and has invented an amazing uh, time-based uh, security, um, uh, uh, essentially, platform that can really um, uh, trace and, and protect in real time a lot of the data. And, and that leads to then the data sovereignty being recognized and protected and tied to the individual and, and identity. So, um, you know, there's a, a new mechanisms that need to tie into identity and need to do this in real time and then be able to tag that data um, in order uh, for a person to be able to rightfully own that identity. 
But I'm going to, um, you know, let Robert uh, tune in because he's really done something amazing in that area. Absolutely. Take it, Robert. Provides an opportunity to be able to create this ledger. And, and some people may not even know what blockchain necessarily is. First of all, a lot of people think blockchain is encryption. It's not encryption. It is encrypted. But it's, it's, a, it's a distributed ledger that creates a historical reference on everything that you want to capture related to that particular blockchain. So, for example, if you buy a Louis Vuitton bag in the future, right, there will be an RFID chip associated with it that will prove to you that it's not fake. It'll prove to you where it was uh, first, the sourcing of it was made. So where did the raw materials come from? Who are the people that actually created it? Who are the people that inspected it? The quality control. All of that will be housed in a blockchain. It's like in the old days, knights used to uh, go around on their horses carrying patents, right? These patents would tell what their lineage was and who they, who were they, who are they coming from? Who their father was? Who their grandfather was? What are their, you know, their titles, right? What are their lands associated with it? So this is going to be kind of the way that data is tracked because data is the most valuable. So making sure that integrity of data is there and ownership of that data is going to be critically important. So what we did and what Shahal was referring to was we created something that made the world's most perfect secret security, right? So the highest level of secrecy is in, found in an encryption called one-time pad encryption. It's been around for a long time. It's quantum resistant. However, it is not practical up until now. It hasn't been practical, practical to be used on either a blockchain or in you know, digital communications because the keys have to be very, very long. We innovated a way to make that uh, practical and be used on blockchain as well as to be able to have it be used to secure your data and associate with our own multi-factor authentication system as well into blockchain, all of it for your benefit so that all your data can be put into an NFT. And that NFT then can be taken to market and you can monetize it. Now the market today is estimated to be about two and a half trillion dollars. Just the brokerage side of it alone is almost $300 billion and growing about 100% per year for the last several years. We intend for the original producers to be able to NFT their own data and take that to market along with anything else that they want to produce and create. I think one of the greatest and most exciting aspects of this is that the 20th century has really been about intermediaries making money. I think the 21st century is going to be more about the creators, the innovators, the musicians, the artists actually being able to monetize in a liquid barter system all of their work and their effort for the first time in hundreds of years. We, we may not be hearing the term starving artists so much anymore. Absolutely. Yeah, no, this is this is great stuff. I mean, you have such a you have such an ability to tie it all together. And when you when you're when that perfect example about that Louis bag really hits close to home because that helps um, a lot of industries, because now not only are you tracking and are you keeping tabs on on the, the materials, but it is also mitigating a lot of that, you know, uh, fraud. It's mitigating a lot of uh, these fashion companies that are um, at the tail end of, you know, the knockoffs kind of coming into play and they're losing money. So this is great because it's tying into every, every aspect. Um, I definitely want to hear, hear from Shahal. Um, and this is more uh, specifically about with all the attention um, on the exciting possibilities of the metaverse, 
one could forget what infrastructures will really be needed for the heavy lifting. And it would definitely have to be optimized for transferring and storing data to make the metaverse more attractive. Not only would, would historical data need to be available to facilitate context and depth in any interaction, but it would also have to be highly accurate. And I know, Robert, you're all about math and accuracy. And Shahal, this means the need for real-time data ingestion and data ingestion and analytics is paramount. How do you believe this is going to be achieved in the metaverse specifically um, with what the, with what Tempest is doing, essentially? Well, Zen, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we have to um, have platforms that are uh, above whatever um, platforms are absorbing the data today. So um, let's just say that, um, because I know we're a little short on time, and just, just to make it quick, platforms like, for example, the data sovereignty platform, the security platform, that Robert's created, um, which reside on a, uh, a massive cloud-based system now that scoops up that data, tags that data, identifies the uh, user and identity, and is able to go backwards and create ledgers based on that identity. And then there are other new systems that will be able to, um, uh, let's say, uh, maintain, monitor, and put tags on that identity in terms of real value. That could be then tied to an economic system where people are not trapped within this slavery of like this pyramid where, uh, you know, the top corporations, for example, are taking 95% of the value of their data and they're left uh, not either knowing what they own or what it's valued at and what it's worth. And for that to happen, you have to disintermediate the current systems that are collecting the data uh, on their OTT platforms and have people come in directly through communities and be able to, number one, log in through systems where they're able to tag it with their system, uh, which is able to collate and give their identity verification, verify and house their data. So there's going to be very, uh, I, I think, decentralized systems, but uh, they're going to have to kind of collate onto a, um, a system like uh, Roberts invented, which can essentially give their identity tags um, and their data tags first and foremost. Fascinating stuff. I mean, the, between between the two of you, you have a good grip on where this is headed. And Robert, your insight is is priceless. I mean, I loved talking to you. Definitely a highlight of my day. Thank you very much. And thanks for the invitation again. Absolutely. Thank you both for coming on, Shahal. Always a pleasure to have you on. All right. Thank have you, Sam. Guys, Thank that you. was Shahal Khan. And he is Tempest Network, CEO, founder of Tempest Network. You guys have to check them out, tempest.network. And robertedwardgrant.com. Definitely check out his website. Innovator, visionary, mathematician, all of the good stuff above. You're listening to A Moment of Zen right here on 710 WR, the voice of New York. We'll be right back after this. A Moment of Zen is brought to you by Aikido Pharma, an early-stage pharmaceutical company developing innovative drugs for improving anti-cancer and antiviral therapies. Traded on the NASDAQ under ticker AIKI, they have first-in-class partnerships with leading medical universities like the University of Maryland and the University of Texas. To learn more, go to www.aikidopharma.com. A Moment of Zen is brought to you by Tempest, the next generation of the engagement economy, allowing people to make money on their data and earn cryptocurrency for the time they spend on things they already currently love to do. With Tempest, brands will have the ability to pay you directly for interacting with apps, watching videos, playing games, and more. Tempest, the time is now. Engage and earn. 
Welcome back, beautiful people. You're listening to A Moment of Zen right here on 710 WOR, the voice of New York. I'm your host, Zen Sams. Now, coming up in our Crypto Frontier segment, brought to us by CCP Digital, we're going to be joined by Chris Pulley, who serves as CEO of CCP Digital and Bad Media Group. And you can check them out at Bad Crypto Pod. Now, CCP Digital is a veteran boutique digital media and analytics agency. Chris and his team consult with some of the top innovators in the blockchain, NFT, and gaming spaces. He's joined by his good friend, Dr. Ken Canfield. And today, we are chatting about NFTs for charities and how tokens are raising money for nonprofits. Dr. Canfield founded and continues to engage with organizations dedicated to improving family well-being, most notably the National Center for Fathering, where he served as president for 16 years. Helping men become better dads is perhaps the most strategic way to benefit children and strengthen families is his thought process. I love it. How does it all tie into our crypto frontier segment? Well, the National Center for Fathering has been the beneficiary of over 40,000 worth of subdog tokens distributed through smart contracts with every token transaction. And we're going to discuss how crypto is being used across many industries to revolutionize donations and in charity participations even. Today, we are encouraging people to learn how to acquire these tokens so that they can vote to keep the National Center for Fathering as the recipient for the transaction donations. Now, for all of this to kind of sink in, let's chat Super Doge. Okay, Super Doge is an entertainment and media-based blockchain technology project utilizing NFTs to create positive change and community enrichment. A deflationary cryptocurrency built on the Binance Smart Chain platform, incorporating a smart contract that yields allocated rewards from each transaction to charities and token holders. Here to chat more and give us the insider's perspective are Chris Pulley and Dr. Ken Canfield. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Hello. It's a delight to be with you. Looking forward to this. Chris Pulley, welcome aboard, superstar. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Zen. It's glad to be back and, and, and just happy to be with you. Great. So I'm going to start with you. Now, while some are wondering whether these um, NFTs have any purpose beyond the hype, we clearly are seeing organizations such as Ken's find them a very valuable tool for fundraising. And charities have already familiarized themselves with alternate donations, especially cryptocurrency. Talk to me about charities and the blockchain and how, for instance, in this case, the subdog token is revolutionizing the donation process. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Zed, and thank you for having us on the show. At, at CCP Digital, we, we have a vision of a more collaborative and equitable future for like the global community. And we're executing by using our talents and skills um, to empower innovators by helping them create influence, build their brand, uh, message to the, to the audiences, and uh, really take these innovations and help the average um, but not even the average, the audience uh, that needs to understand, to understand. We were working with Super Doge uh, as, a, as really a heart project. Uh, we um, don't necessarily engage in uh, meme coins, but in this case, with the prevalence of the Doge coin and um, it's really non-use uh, or, or function, um, I, I was really intrigued by Super Doge because they have created an environment where not only is their stories being told and educational cartoons and entertainment and NFTs, um, but every time the token, the sup dog token is transacted, one of three charities receives uh, the benefit of a 2% transaction fee. 
And um, when I had the opportunity to um, uh, introduce the National Center for Fathering, which is close to me personally, I lost my father at 14 years old. And the message of fathers and father mentorship in life is uh, close to me, and I know how important it is. So to have married the the organization National Center for Fathering, and now being on the uh, recipient end uh, to be able to take advantage of cryptocurrency, blockchain, NFTs to support a charity that I am so passionate about, I couldn't be more happy uh, to uh, you know to be at the center of this blockchain crypto uh, industry. Um, at this point. So hopefully that's helpful. The industry is definitely coming together. And, you know, I, I echo your sentiment. And this is because in one part, you know, in-person charity events were no longer possible during this pandemic. So this version of fringe financing became more appealing. And in addition, um, these are permissionless and borderless, making donations across the world more accessible. And significant organizations have been accepting cryptocurrency donations for a while. The American Red Cross has been accepting Bitcoin since 2014. UNICEF launched Crypto Fund in 2019 to allow it to accept cryptocurrencies, um, which I'll segue now to you, Dr. Canfield. Welcome to the show. What an honor to have you on. Now, NFTs are the next fundraising frontier. Unlike cryptocurrencies, they offer something way beyond a direct monetary donation. NFTs have allowed charities, celebrities, and even individuals to auction off their digital creations with all the proceeds going to a charity of their choice. Talk to me about the impact the subdog tokens have had on the National Center for Fathering and how people can get involved. Thank you. Well, first of all, we have a huge social crisis in North America, the physical, emotional, relational absence of fathers from the home. So what we've been able to do is uh, do some research on fathering during the pandemic, which is huge right now. Uh, in some ways, fathering has increased because you've been forced to do things you wouldn't normally do. But then our big problem is how are we reaching the fatherless? They're everywhere. Well, one of the ways SUPDOG has helped us is we're pro providing digital help to father the fatherless uh, through healthy fathering in a neighborhood. You know, just like we had block mothers during World War II, we now need block dads. And these dads are reaching out to other fatherless kids and including them in their family activities. This is a great thing. So I am indebted to the Superdoge community and others for being strategic and helping us provide this on a web-based platform, as well as some live training around the country. It's become the cultural norm in the NFT market for, for the creators so that it can become a sustainable funding source for nonprofits around the world. Uh, Chris, this one's for you. One of the benefits of cryptocurrency is its decentralization and transparency, right, which makes it the perfect platform for charitable donations. With blockchains, all transactions are public and available to view at any time. This helps to alleviate issues such as misappropriated funds and lack of trust. Walk me through what almost feels like an oxymoron of a situation where you have these two contradictory terms appearing in conjunction here, where we talk about decentralization and transparency. Uh, that is, uh, they go hand in hand. Um, the decentralization component uh, allows for transactions to happen with no people involved. And it's the transparency, the open ledger that anybody can access to see that the transactions happened and they happened the way you expected them to. And it's really created an opportunity to remove 
the administrative layer within the um, transactional side of not-for-profit organizations. There's an incredible expense in just getting the funds and the donations uh, into the organization. And um, it's just incredible to see technology being able to uh, be applied in a way that's making direct impact into people's lives and um, more importantly, our children and next generation's life. Absolutely, and that's kind of the core of what, of what you're doing over there at CCP Digital. You and your team have this revolution, this revolutionary way of approaching concepts from a digital perspective with a very unique point of view. Talk, talk to me about CCP's, uh, your involvement outside of the charitable space, which obviously is one of your, your main, um, you know, the highlights of your company, but walk me through the, the team that you have in place that is now combining and converging the digital process, cryptocurrency, and using this for mainstream brands and even creators alike to be able to come and get services from someone like, per se, a guru like yourself at CCP. Um, all right, I'll try to unpack that. Um, so at CCP Digital, it's a, we're a strategic group uh, with a, even extended partnerships. Um, when we in, entered into the blockchain as an industry and a service provider, um, helping these innovative projects, um, you know, that have world impact potential um, is, is, is just become our heartbeat, you know, is, is the innovation is there, but somebody has to be able to um, translate the innovation and the, because there is really nothing to compare some of these concepts to. And so our job is to take these incredible world-changing innovators and help them articulate their message to the right audiences in the right way um, at the same time, we're developing our internal technology and uh, uh, human resources to prepare for Web3. And, and this is where we move away from just logging into a web platform and having a social media experience into every tweet, blog, content produced is automatically built in as an NFT on the blockchain transferable, shareable, used for ticketing, used for access, used for special promotion. It, it's just an amazing time we live in uh, where we have these convergences of innovation um, and, um, and human experience at the same time. It's quite amazing to see. It's the most organic, natural pyramid marketing I've ever seen where everybody uh, has a very specific um, hat that they're wearing, and everybody is extremely critical to the ecosystem here. Um, Dr. Canfield, for nonprofits, there are some tax considerations that go into holding cryptocurrencies. These are not considered cash donations, as crypto in many jurisdictions is an asset rather than a currency. And when it comes to NFTs, the guidance isn't uh, quite as clear. However, since NFTs are mostly sold on the Ethereum blockchain, should a charity receive the donations raised in cryptocurrency? or be gifted the NFT itself? This is a question I've always had. Does this have implications for their books? It does. Uh, any nonprofit that's recognized by the IRS has to file a 990 form where you declare your assets if they are NFTs or the cash. And so at certain 
times uh, taking the NFTs and moving it to a fiat currency, in this case, US dollars, has been helpful in sponsoring some. Uh, we are holding NFTs as uh, Super Doge assets in our portfolio. And this gives us stability. And during a time of crisis, like we've just experienced, and we're going to experience more of that, having that connection to the crypto uh, market and community is key, I think. So uh, you as a nonprofit can benefit holding this as an asset in your portfolio. Without a doubt, I love where this is going, and we're almost at the end of our time right now. But the but just to add to that, in the United States, at least, um, interest by the IRS and cryptocurrency declarations is increasing. The re the recent U.S. tax day saw citizens being asked about their cryptocurrency holdings as the IRS starts to take these investments and profits into account. And this increased interest and investment in crypto regulations will likely include NFTs in the future. Um, but listen, we're out of time. Thank you so much for coming on. This was such an enlightening interview because not only are we talking about something that i'm really passionate about which is cryptocurrency blockchain but now how it's being put to good use and helping organizations such as yourself so thank you so much chris for bringing on dr canfield you're welcome thank, thank you. you guys you definitely have to check them out dr canfield also recently just released a short ebook you can check them out at fathers.com check out chris pulley at ccpdigital.com also definitely check out superdoge.io and then at on the gram they're at superdoge e superdoge with an e i o and it's dr ken canfield you're listening to a moment of zen right here on 710 wor the voice of new york we'll be right back after this a Moment of Zen is brought to you by Revere Securities. Revere is committed to building a relationship of trust in which they work closely with you to help you define your objectives, explore alternatives, and choose the financial and investment strategies that are most appropriate for you. Go to reveresecurities.com. Welcome back, beautiful people. You're listening to A Moment of Zen right here on 710 WOR, the voice of New York. I'm your host, Zen Sams. Now, today we're chatting about space tourism and space travel with my good friend, astronaut Pure Wimmer. Now, 2021 was a historical year for commercial space travel. A record number of civilian orbital and suborbital missions launched very successfully. Elon Musk's SpaceX launched four amateur astronauts into Earth's orbit for the first time. A Russian film crew spent 12 days on the International Space Station shooting the world's first movie in space. And two multi-billionaires flew to the edge of Earth's atmosphere as the first passengers of their respective space companies to show the public that their new spacecrafts are safe and fun. And as with everything in its early stages, space tourism today is unattainably expensive. Although demand appears to be strong enough to keep existing companies in this market busy for several years. But eventually, as technology matures and more companies enter the industry, prices will hopefully go down. Going to space in the future will be more like picking a trip to Europe. This past summer, Virgin Galactic's founder, Sir Richard Branson, became its first passenger and flew to the edge of Earth's atmosphere in a VSS Unity Spaceship 2 space plane, along with two pilots and three Virgin Galactic employees. A pioneer in the space tourism industry, Virgin Galactic began selling seats in 2013 at $250,000 apiece. By the time it halted sales in 2014, after a test flight failure, the company had collected deposits from more than 600 aspiring customers. Now, ticket sales resumed in August of 2021, but at a much higher price, this time $450,000. 
Virgin Galactic said it has since received 100 reservations. Now, each VSS Unity Spaceship 2 can carry up to four passengers. Virgin expects to fly paying passengers three times a month in 2023. At its current reservation volume, it's going to take the company a number of years to clear its wait list. So patience is your friend here. Pierre Wimmer is a founding astronaut with Sir Richard Branson's Virgin Galactic since 2005, and he will be on one of the first commercial rocket flights to space. But going into space is not like just taking a high-speed jet across the world. Pierre has successfully completed his space training, including weightlessness, zero-G training, and he's also flown Russian MiG-25 and L-39 fighter jets. He's a real pro. Welcome to the show, superstar. Nice to have you back on. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Nice to have you back on and congrats on winning the 21st Century Icon Awards. Thank you very much. Great, greatly appreciated. Quite the, experience. quite the accomplishment I mean, for your services to charity, adventure, space and finance. They couldn't have picked a better, more seasoned individual. So my hat goes off to you, Pierre. Thank you very much. Now we'll talk space. Let's talk about, let's walk us through as an astronaut. The first thing I'd love to know is what effects does space flight have on one's body? Uh, well, first and foremost, you're going to feel a lot of G-forces uh, hitting your, your chest on the way up there. Uh, it is not, and it will never be, uh, like go, jumping on a Boeing 747 flying from London to New York. It, it's just a simple mathematics and physics involved in space travel. When you've got to leave the Earth's gravity zone, as it were, you, you've got to deploy so much uh, energy release uh, that you'll really feel it on the body. So for, for me personally, I've been training and uh, through through the centrifuge and, and also through the so-called vomit comet, uh, the, the weightlessness flight, uh, to get my body used to uh, these extra G-forces on the body. And we have to carry a G-load of 6GX, meaning the, the equivalent of lying on the floor and having six grand adults standing on top of your chest. That's sort of the equivalent pressure that you your body get exposed to when flying into space. At the same time, you also get GZ forces pulling blood out of your head effectively um, at a G load of three. So, uh, so at the peak, uh, we'll certainly feel it. Uh, but that's what we train for, and uh, I'm fully ready for for that exposure. Absolutely. I mean, look, a, norm, a normal body will adapt to the abnormal environment of space in many ways, and I would assume that you know, immediately upon entering zero gravity, fluids probably, you know, in your legs and in the lower part of your body move upwards towards your head. So I, I, can't, I can't imagine that people's faces do look swollen. Is that accurate? Um, yeah, they can, depending on, on what part of the, uh, of, of the space flight you're at. Uh, certainly, uh, you can go into a situation where you get more blood in your head uh, and other times you get less blood in your head. Um, like I said, when, when you go into space, you, you're sort of putting negative GZ. So blood will, will flow out of your head. And the, and the key thing here is to stay, uh, stay awake, stay fresh. Uh, and, and we as astronauts learn certain um, uh, training exercises to effectively try to block the, uh, the blood circulations in order to keep as much blood up in, in, in the head compartment, as it were. Um, as much as possible. We also do that when you fly fighter jets. So you, you refer to my uh, MiG-25 and L-39s flight. Um, particularly the L-39s, we do a lot of acrobatics. Um, those are particularly good exercises, uh, getting used to G-forces and, and how to handle it. And it's also good to know before you go to space how much your body can, can handle and when to level up, etc. 
Oh yeah, beautiful stuff. This is very fascinating. Um, my next question is, what should one study in school if they want to become an astronaut? I think first and foremost, you should, um, may, you know, if that's your dream to go into space, then fight for it, work for it, put all your passion and, and heart into it, and you will succeed one way or another. Um, but basically, there are two paths here. You can either go the um, public uh, astronaut way or the official way. I, if you're American, you can apply for the for NASA, or indeed, if you're in, in Europe, you can become part of the uh, ESA, uh, European Space Agency Astronaut Corps, uh, or indeed uh, China or India, etc. But yeah. if you're uh, unlucky and you're in a country where they don't have these sort of things, then uh, go private. Um, private. Yeah, go private. That's uh, that's probably a safer bet to do it. So try to get involved in some businesses that allow you to afford uh, buying a private ticket to space. Good news is, I think over time, these will become cheaper. Um, you mentioned the prices at the intro. <clears throat> those are not for everybody. But over time, and give it another five to ten years, those prices will come down. Like any other private industry, you get more competition, more offerings, a high end, a low end, etc., and uh, who knows, um, you might just get your chance to go into space. There you go. Now, one worrying side effect of space exploration is that we might end up making <laughs> as much of a mess of the rest of the universe as we have done of our own home planet. And it's estimated that there are already up to 8,000 tons of debris from previous space missions and now um, defunct satellites floating in Earth's orbit. What measures uh, and are there any technologies out there um, that will help this cleanup process? You're absolutely right. There's uh, there's a lot of uh, space debris floating around up, up there. Um, about 10% of the total of space debris actually came from one coalition, collision between a Russian satellite and a uh, an American satellite uh, some years ago. And, and in more recent times, uh, the Russians uh, deliberately fired at, at one of their own satellites um, to sort of test out uh, military, military capabilities. That added also to the space debris, very sadly. Um, there are companies uh, that are looking to create technologies where you can sort of hoover up um, space debris and, and therefore collect it and, and, and therefore minimize uh, the, the debris. It is very dangerous. I mean, even a little screwdriver, um, which on planet Earth is not particularly dangerous, but if it's flying in space at 25,000 miles per hour, I mean, that can go straight through a person's body if a space astronaut is doing an, an EVA or even uh, the International Space Station, it can, it can go straight through, uh, through the station. So a screwdriver, as little as that, can be a very, very dangerous object in space. So, yeah, who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought that that could be the end of your life with a screwdriver? So with that in mind, um, I know that launched this year, ELSA-D, which is End of Life Services by Astroscale um, demonstration. Their mission is to clean up debris that's going to be left in space by future space missions. Um, and, and it was very interesting, just exactly to what you just said. It does this using magnets to grab floating debris and push them towards the Earth well, where, where it will burn up in the outer layers of the atmosphere. So that's an interesting waste disposal uh, mechanism. Now, we have less than a minute left, and I just wanted to get a little bit more insight. Um, very quick question. When you go to space, how do you go to the bathroom? 
<laughs> it's always a tricky question. If you're on the internet, uh, on a, a space shuttle or indeed on the International Space Station, there are actually uh, dedicated toilets um, and where you take a, a tube and you do what you have to do, number one and number two, and it will sort of suck things the right way, hopefully. Um, if you're going on some of the smaller uh, um, spacecrafts like, uh, like uh, the Galactic or indeed um, the Blue Origin one, uh, there are no toilets on board. Um, so you better do your stuff before you go and and after you come back and if you're really prone to uh, having to go quite often i would suggest uh, wearing a nappy there are indeed big astronaut nappies uh, that, that are made for that believe it or not <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing well listen we've ran out of time but i definitely want to have you come back on because we are going to be doing our regular space travel series and you my friend are definitely the perfect contributor so i can't wait to have you come back on soon it's been a great pleasure. Have a, have a great uh, 2020 start. There you go. 2022 is right here and we're happy New Year's, New Year's Day. Everybody, that was Pierre Wimmer, astronaut. Definitely check out his stuff. You can go on the internet at Wimmer Space or check him out on the gram at Pierre.Wimmer. You're listening to A Moment of Zen right here on 710 WR, the voice of New York. We'll be right back after this. A Moment of Zen is brought to you by Caldwell Soames Incorporated. Investing globally in transformative businesses like Original Digital Corporation, or ODC, ODC develops advanced consumer and commercial fintech solutions such as OGPay, which will transform the way you manage your money. From sending and receiving money globally for free, paying for goods and services in person and online, pay bills, buy and sell digital currencies, all while earning interest. OGPay is easy to set up, FDIC insured, and your information is secured. Check out OGPay.com. A Moment of Zen is brought to you by Tempus, the next generation of the engagement economy, allowing people to make money on their data and earn cryptocurrency for the time they spend on things they already currently love to do. With Tempus, brands will have the ability to pay you directly for interacting with apps, watching videos, playing games, and more. Tempus, the time is now. Engage and earn. Well, that's a wrap, my friends. Remember to join me right here on 710WOR, the voice of New York, every Saturday night from 9 to 10 p.m. Or go to 710WOR.iHeart.com forward slash a moment of zen. Remember, we are now on TV. Download the KP Media TV app on Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, or Android. Tune in at watch.kpmedia.tv and catch a moment of zen on the Impact Live channel Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern. All episodes are now available on demand. Thank you for listening to A Moment of Zen. It has been an absolute pleasure being your host. Remember to tune back in next Saturday night at 9 p.m. Thanks again, of course, to all of our sponsors. And remember, happiness is the only thing that multiplies when you share it. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.